When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Live around Australia on SEN, welcome to Off The Tee, talking all things golf with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Yes, indeed. Welcome to Off the Tee, our dedicated golf. Uh, well, let's not play a pre-record from. <laughs> let's not play last week's episode. Let's start with this week's episode, and we'll get that fixed uh, in the logs. Uh, it's almost like a deja vu, Nick O'Hearn. I thought, why am I hearing my own voice back in my ear? Uh, that's last week's episode that was plugged in, and here we are, uh, live at thirty-eight seconds past eight o'clock on a Tuesday night. Ready and raring to go. Uh, interesting start. But uh, Nick Ahern, the former world number 16, only man with a two-zip match play record against the great Tiger Woods. Hello to you. G'day, Sam. It was a big week, wasn't it? President's Cup and all things happening in golf. Uh, well, let's start with that, the President's Cup. Let's start with that. Oh, we're off to an absolute flyer. Here we go. Xander Shockley, who delivers the last decisive point as the U.S. wins the President's Cup for the 12th time in 14 contests, its ninth in a row. Just in that sequence there, you're seeing the, the present and future of American golf. So there we go. That was the moment Xander Chauvelet, uh, the putt to win it. Uh, the 12th President's Cup out of 14 editions won by the United States. It's a pretty one-sided rivalry at the moment against the internationals who, it must be said, after two disastrous days... They roared back into contention, Nick O'Hearn. They pulled within 11-7 to 7, uh, after Saturday's play. Uh, that was the same four-point deficit that they were uh, confronted with when they had that fight back in the 2012 Ryder Cup, but it wasn't to be uh, this time around. Just some of your overall thoughts from this year's edition. Yeah, they went in, I think, as possibly the biggest underdogs in the history of the event. I mean, obviously... We lost a couple of our big players in, in Cam Smith and Joachim, Joachim Neiman going into the event, uh, given they went across to live. So we were, you know, well behind, the, uh, well, well behind the eight ball. We didn't have the strongest team to begin with. And I think the overall result, I mean, it was interesting on that Sunday. I, I was keeping an eye on it early, um, let's see, Monday morning here, watching the singles progress. And there was about a 10-minute period where the Americans were going, hang on, we're in a bit of trouble here. This is this could this could be one of the biggest upsets in the history of sport. But funnily enough, the game you know turned in their favour again. 
some of the international players missed their, a few key putts and, and the Americans ran away with it, sort of as expected, I guess. And the overall finishing result was 17.5 points to 12.5, which was about, I guess, what you'd expect. In, in a way, it was almost a victory for the, for the internationals, given they were so, so far uh, underdogs, I guess you could say. But, you know, after the first couple of days, they were 4-1 down after the Thursday, 8-2 down after Friday. And my, my earliest thought was... Oh, gosh, I just hope they can get to singles when it's not actually all over. And then the fight they put on Saturday in the you know early foursomes and then the four balls in the afternoon where we saw Cam Smith, sorry, uh, Cam Davis come into his own. I mean, that finish with him and Adam yeah. Scott where he went eagle, birdie, birdie to close out Billy Horschel and Sam Burns. I mean, that just elevates him in the world of golf, I think. I text you. Um, after day one, and we talked <laughs> about the fact that we were surprised that Cam Davis, um, given where his world ranking is at the moment, was picked maybe ahead of a Lucas Herbert, who is sort of floating around that 50 mark in the world rankings for the internationals. And I texted you and said, I, for one, never doubted Cam Davis because on day one, the only, um, the only two to get a win uh, when they did the foursomes was Siwoo Kim and Cam Davis over Scotty Scheffler uh, and Sam Burns on day one. And other than that, America were dominant. And then even on day two, um, they won three out of the five um, and the other two were tied. So, you know, that one win in two days, mm. that that just kept the little flame flickering for Cam Davis. Well, no, I mean, I, I liked him as a pick. I think his game sets up really well. He's very long off the tee, has a very hot putter, and that's a good setup for Quail Hollow especially, but also in the match play as well. So... Uh, I was really disappointed, unfortunately, in that opening morning match. We had our two heavyweights going out, Adam Scott and Hideki Matsuyama, and they got pummeled. Six and five. I think it was by Cantley and uh, Xander, perhaps. I'd have to check the records there. But for them to lose that heavily, that just sort of set the tone early on day one. And that was a bit of a shame for Scotty. But to his credit, he was struggling after two days. He was 0-2, but he came back and had an overall record of two wins and three losses. He won both matches on the Saturday, one with Cam. And uh, and I think, uh, you know, for him, this is his 10th President's Cup. He must be sick of losing. I mean, he hasn't won one yet. He's had a tie in South Africa, 2003. The only one we've won is in 1998, which is a bit of a shame. But I think they really fought hard, you know, through, through it all. The, the four Koreans, for me, really stood out. I mean, young Tom Kim, what an absolute uh, treat he was to, to watch. I mean, I know you've got some footage there. We've got to hear this. It was amazing. care what what tournament it is and and what's on the line Tom Kim just has to be there I mean he yeah. is box off he has become a cold hero and you could just see what it meant to the internationals I mean they understand what's against them in the president's cup and the record that's against them but they also understood that Liv gutted their team far more than it did the US team Oh, very much so. The only player really... No one gave him a chance. No, no. I mean, the only player they really lost the US team was Dustin Johnson, I think. I mean, I don't think they were going to uh, pick uh, Brooks or 
Bryson or Patrick Reed or any of those players. Maybe Taylor Gooch. I think he was probably one that might have got a start as well. But then you also had Will Zalatoris, who's been injured. He, he should have been in the team mm. as well. So they, they really had no chance, to be honest. But that, the finish to that match on the Saturday, that was just unbelievable. Early in the day, he's walking putts in. He's telling his caddy to get the ball out of the hole. And he was firing them all up. Loved it. Was it. Brilliant. There was so Absolutely. much swagger. And even that putt, was, he, walked, he walked away. He oh, knew. Yeah. He knew it was he going. He knew and in. just got around the team and celebrated – and it would have been a disaster if it hadn't have been for performances like his because if it had have been so one-sided, then that's, that's all anyone would have talked about. Well, this is Liv's fault. Liv's ruined the President's Cup. I mean, that, it, that would have been the negativity that would have surrounded this. But this team, through some unlikely sources, found a way to put a bit of fear into the US team. Oh, they certainly did. I mean, and, and the interesting thing, I was looking through back through some of the results. Unfortunately, the two Canadians, uh, Corey Connors and Taylor Pendrith, went 0-8. I mean, they did not mm. win a match. They had eight losses. And Taylor Pendrith, I thought, I didn't really like him as a pick early on. I mean, I know he's long and he didn't play too badly. He just got on the wrong end of some hot golfers on the US side. I mean... If Lucas Herbert had applied, I really would have loved to have seen that. I think he he would have really, you know, set the cat amongst the pigeons because you want great putters. And and the other thing he's I think... He's a competitor too, Lucas. Look, oh, he's got yeah. a bit of fire and, and there's a bit of feistiness about him as well. I think he would have... I think for that reason as well, a lot like Tom Kim was, I think Lucas would have really drawn mm. people into that with him he would and have br- would have embraced it fully. Not to say those other guys didn't, but that's one of the highlights and it's come from the losing team because of just how fired up Tom Kim was and how much it looked like it meant and how much he wanted it. And the team lifted. Absolutely. And that's the passion that you need in these sorts of events. Mm. To, because in team sport, it's all about momentum. It really is. No, no matter it's golf, it's football, it's cricket, whatever, you need that momentum, you need that energy to keep the team going when things are looking a bit pear-shaped, so to speak. I mean... Most of the captain's picks actually played better than the automatic selections. I mean, Corey Connors was an automatic selection, and he just played awful all week. Mm. And I, I really feel for him because he's an outstanding golfer. But Siwoo Kim was another pick, played great. Three and one record. I mean, he had actually probably the best record out of all the internationals. Sebastian Munoz, I mean, what an effort he, he was as well. He played some outstanding golf, never lost a match. He was two wins and a half. Um, you also had Bezadenhut. Unfortunately, he only got to play two matches, and he didn't lose one. He had a win and a half. So... He's possibly the best putter out there, and, and they're the sorts of players you need in these in this sort of format. But on the American sides, you know, you had uh, some very interesting players as well there. I mean, Jordan Spieth went 5-0 and undefeated. That was an amazing effort for him. Uh, Justin Thomas, you know, the swagger that he's got is is second to nut on the U.S. team. He was 4-0 going into the singles, and then he mm. took on... Um, he took on Siwoo Kim, which was an amazing match in itself, that one, because Siwoo Kim was shushing the crowd and, and really getting stuck in. And, and I know uh, Justin Thomas was a bit upset by not being giving a two-foot, seven-inch putt early on in the day. I mean, he was carrying on a bit like a bit of a sport brat. But interestingly enough, a couple of days earlier, he didn't give a putt of that, that length either. So he, he's one that just goes well, back and forth. And, and, and the putts that Scheffler and, um, and Munoz traded Mm. On that side, like these monsters, and you know the 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 response from from both teams from that, you know Scheffler got his, and then Munoz got his, and and they, that's the beautiful part of it. That's what you want these tournaments to be, you know, whether it be Europe and America in Ryder Cup, or whether it be the internationals without Europe and America in the Presidents Cup. You want it to be almost a game of one-upsmanship. You do, yeah. And and interestingly enough, I think when 
ever I play uh, in a regular tournament or I've played President's Cups, you see so many more hole-outs, like long long putts or bunker shots or chip-ins or something like that in match play formats rather than stroke play. So you're always seeing these very, very unexpected moments in the President's Cups, in the Ryder Cups and all that. Um, we're going to get you to do your three, two, one. We're going to do this almost like a vote count night. You're going to give your votes for the best performed um, for the President's Cup. Um, but just to take through how the format unfolded. So day one was the foursomes. And as I said, it was uh, Siwoo Kim and Cam Davis, the only of the international, the only team from the internationals that uh, actually had a win um, on on day one. No international win on, on day two. Uh, Spieth and Thomas beat... Uh, Adam Scott and Cam Davis, uh, Cantlay and Chauvelet beat uh, Matsuyama and Tom Kim, and Billy Horschel and Max Homer beat uh, Corey Connors and Taylor Pendrith. And then, you know, day three, it started to change for the foursomes. Day two was the four ball. The foursomes, Adam Scott and Hideki Matsuyama, who I thought that was a great pairing, uh, Nick, they beat Cameron Young and Colin Morikawa. And, and Hideki Matsuyama probably didn't... You, you would have gone into that thinking if the internationals are to win, then Hideki has to dominate. Yeah, he did. He, he needed to, to really push yeah. forward. He only got one win out yeah. of his five matches, unfortunately. But it was KH Lee and Tom Kim that really set it, it set it alight in their win over Scotty Scheffler, the world number one, and uh, and Sam Burns. And then, you know, day four, to get it, to win three out of the, the four, was just a phenomenal uh, effort on, on day four. That that was um, That was incredible. Um, yeah, that was in the uh, in, in the fourth format, which is the sorry, four the fourth board. format, yeah. um, not day four. Uh, Siwoo Kim and Tom Kim uh, beat Patrick Cantlay and Xander Schauffele. Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth beat Matsuyama and Pendrith. Sungjae Im and Sebastian Munoz, who you spoke about, beat Tony Finau and Kevin Kisner. And then Adam Scott and Cam Davis got that win over Billy Horschel and Sam Burns. And then in the singles, that was always the fear, wasn't it? That this would be where the you'd think America were going to, the US were going to have the advantage and. Um, to the credit, though, of the internationals, they, they did win five uh, out of those singles matches, but it was the um, six wins to America that got them home, 17.5 to 12.5. Yeah, I was a little surprised, I guess, at uh, the the pairings. I mean, I, I, I actually thought, okay, the guy to go out number one for the internationals has to be Tom Kim. Throw him out there. You know they're going to put Justin Thomas. As it turned out, it was a great move because Siwoo Kim went out and beat him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I was just so surprised to see Tom Kim so far back. He was number 10, and you want that energy early. You want really them to, to get out there and get after it. Unfortunately, Cam Davis was second out. He came up against Jordan Spieth, and Cam just didn't play well. He had about five bogeys on the day, probably mm. was two or three over par, and Jordan you know, did what he needed to do there. The next match out was Hideki and Sam Burns. Now, Sam Burns, interestingly, he... He actually played some of the best golf out of the Americans but had one of the worst records. He just came up against players that were either playing yep. better than him or his partners just played awful golf. So he was a bit unfortunate. He paired with Scheffler in a lot of the matches and Scheffler had, as the world number one, I think a real disappointing week for him. Um, following that, you had Adam Scott. He was going up against Cantlay. And, you know, Cantlay, interestingly enough, he, he was on the receiving end of Tom Kim. Uh, the previous day when, when Tom obviously went nuts and hold that putt and that audio that we just heard. So you kind of knew whoever was playing Cantley, they were going to be in for a battle because he was pretty upset with what he did, I think, and, and Scotty was on the receiving end. You had Sebastian Munoz. He played some brilliant golf against Scheffler, uh, defeating him 2-1. and one. Taylor Penrith, unfortunately, came up against uh, Tony Feenhauer, who was in hot form there. You know, Tony Fimau was five under for the day, mm. so that's a tough one to beat. Did, did you see the chip in that Matsuyama had hit the flag stick and oh, come the last out? Hole. And that was on the last hole. That would have won 
that match, which ended up tying. He got a bit um, unlucky with, with the tee shot as well. The tee shot hit a marshal and it kicks it further into the into the trees, and then he knocks it over the back. And yeah, it was a bit of a rough break there, unfortunately. But that's you know they're the little tricks and trades of the of the golf. Corey Connors, you know, he he just played another poor round of golf, unfortunately, up against Xander. I mean, Xander was begging to be beaten, but. But unfortunately, Corey said, no, you're not going to lose this one. I'm going to give it to you. So he just had such a rough week. Uh, Sungjae Im, I mean, he's an absolute superstar, this guy. He played yep. some beautiful golf. He was one up uh, against Cameron Young. He birdied 17 and 18 to get that win. KH Lee continued his good form. He won three and one against Billy Horschel. Another outstanding effort. We had the match of the, of the, of the event, I think. The next one was Tom Kim against Max Homer. The two hot, you know, the two hot, hot hands, so to speak. And this is Max Homer just getting the crowd up and about. At 15, Max Homer has two putts to win the hole here, but he wants to hear the roar of the crowd, and he's going to get it. Had a rough stretch. At 15. What 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 you love about that is that they're, they're seeing. Um, they're seeing KH Lee, uh, or, uh, sorry, Siwoo Kim was doing the shush, wasn't he? He was, yeah. yes. So Max Homer, I know playing in a, against an, another player, but he was then wanting doing almost the Hulk Hogan, putting a hand <laughs> up to the ears going, I want to hear, I can't hear. I love it. Yeah, Max was right into this event. This is his first, I mean, he, he spoke about it all season where he wanted to play and represent the United States. He hasn't played a Ryder Cup yet. I mean, I think he'll play next year's Ryder Cup because he's playing some amazing golf. He's won four out of his last 40 tournaments. I mean, he's one of the best players in the world right now. And, and that putt he made on the Friday, I think it was, to, to win his match on the last hole was just something. And the reaction, it just showed you the passion that he has for this event. And he actually said after that, he said, look, there is no money in the world that can replicate that feeling that I had on that green with that putt. So I know it was a little bit of a dig with the live players there as well, but, you know, he... They're all going to get their shots in when they can. Um, Captain Trevor Immelman of the Internationals um, said, we had an amazing week. They were fighting. They were fighting. I hope those fans out there really do appreciate them. These guys have massive hearts, massive hearts. I'll go to battle with them any day. And that was sort of the feeling Adam Scott's already been on social media to say, let's get at it uh, in two years' time. They've come away, the international team, with a fair bit of belief that, you know, when no one gave them a chance to even make this competitive, and after day two, that was, you know, that was our fear texting that, oh, God, this is, this is over. This could be done early. Yeah. But to their credit, it wasn't. And then it does set up. Because you – and I might ask you now before we come back and do your votes, but the future of these tournaments is really interesting given that, that where we're, how the landscape of, of golf is changing because of live and how, what team golf is going to look like and – so what's the, where's the place for the mm. for, for President's Cup? Well, it, it has an interesting where's its future. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, President's Cup is basically uh, it, it's it's a Ryder Cup. In, in other words, it's the US against instead of the Europeans, it's the rest of the world. So it's almost a bit of a copycat, in, in uh, I guess you could say. And the Ryder Cup has that history, and they have that mm. rivalry, which is just neck and neck. Unfortunately, the President's Cup, we've just been getting pummeled ever since it's been going. I've been part of it. I've played in two of them. I know what it feels like. We've come close in one and we got hammered in another one that I participated in. I mean, there's. I've heard quite a bit of conversation around recently about let's get the women involved. I actually really like that idea. Let's create a new event where we get six of the best men, six of the best women, and then they can play four ball and foursomes together and then go out in singles on the final day. But all of a sudden, you're going to have... 
uh, I think, a very, obviously inclusive, but a very vast and varied um, uh, team of golfers from all over the world. Again, the Koreans, especially the women, they're going to be very, very strong. But you're going to have like Brooke Henderson, for instance, from Canada. We'll have Lydia Ko. You'll have Minji Lee and Hannah Green. Um, you can have some amazing golfers playing from the women's side. I, wouldn't that be such a great format, I think, to have a man and a woman going against another man and a woman and all yeah. these different formats, all the scenarios goes with the length, how they set the course up and things like that. I think that would make for some fascinating competition. I'd love to see it go that way. Oh, I think that's a great idea. What's going to define you? What's going to set you apart from the, the the tournament that already has that prestige? And then on the women's side of it, they've got the uh, the Solheim. Yeah, you've got the Solheim. You've got the Ryder Which Cup. Which is the same as the Ryder Cup. Why don't we Cup, do something for different yeah. Yeah, for, the, for the internationals, I think. That would be a great way to do it. And um, interesting, too, that uh, Greg Norman um, did tweet um, during the week about how, at the end of the day, uh, golf is golf and um, we, we wish everyone the best. Um that was laughed off by Trevor Immelman. So Greg Norman said, outside all the angst, golf is golf. Competition is competition. Something every golfer thrives on as a former player and captain of the international team. I wish Trevor Immelman and his entire team the very best in repeating our only 1998 President's Cup success in Melbourne. And there's a picture that Greg put up there of he and the, the victorious team. Uh, Craig Parry's actually got the trophy on the top of his head. <laughs> uh, and then Trevor Immelman just uh, reposted it with LOL. Yeah, it was an interesting one. And just wasn't said, well, it? that was my honest reaction. I just laughed. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, unfortunately, Greg decided to make it all about Greg again by posting it with him and yep. the winning team, and yeah, he just can't help himself. Unfortunately, sometimes just not reading the room. No, he's no. our Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Are we still saying he's our Greg? Oh, we are. Of course, yes, he's, of course. he's always our Greg. Hey, when we come back, uh, the 3-2-1, the votes from the President's Cup, as uh, decided by a man who's played in two of them. Uh, Nick Ahern, and then we'll move on to some other of the golf news uh, of the week, including some Aussie success on the Asian Tour. Uh, there's uh, a bit more angst when it comes to the PGA and live, uh, and that and plenty more still to come on Off the Tee, a dedicated golf show, part of the Sporting Capital on SEN. <laughs> You're listening to Off The Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off The Tee podcast. I have never seen a better display of golfers and a worse display of partiers. That's why they picked me. I got half a point, but I brought the fun. Amen. Uh, That was Kevin Kisner uh, after... The President's Cup had been claimed by the Americans again for the 12th time out of 14 President's Cup. I got half a point, but I bought the fun. Uh, and he did too, uh, if you've seen the highlights. He was the one filling up the cup to, to drink out. I think he was the one dishing out the cigars. Everyone's got their role in a team, Nick Ahern. And let's see if he gets in your votes, your 3-2-1 and one <laughs> from the President's Cup performances. We'll start with your one vote. Well, so, well, I'm going to go for both teams here. I'm going to, I'm going to okay. do the US side and then the international side. I like because, it. Yeah, I think that's the better way to do it. One vote uh, on the US side has to go to Justin Thomas. Uh, played some amazing golf, four wins, and then got beaten by Siwoo Kim in the singles on the final day. I think the, the energy he brought again to the US team was amazing. Um, 
Two good, votes. Com- good combo, him and Spieth, wasn't oh, it? Oh, well, they're best mates as well, yeah. so it's hard to beat those guys, and they do do combine very well. For two votes, I've got to go with Max Homer. Four wins. He didn't play all five mm. matches, so I can't give him the three votes. But he he, he brought something really special to the yep. to, to the to the tournament. That putt that he made to win that match on the Friday was just really something special. And then three votes for the undefeated Jordan Spieth. I mean, this guy is becoming a bit of a match play legend and a team format legend as well. And he. Uh, he just gets the most out of his game, even when he's not playing well. Um, it was a fantastic effort from him. Now, on the international side, I'm going to go one vote for Sebastian Munoz, who was a captain's pick. Uh, two wins and a half a point as well, uh, a half mm. match. So he had two and a half points. He only played three times. I mean, that's the thing. When you got the hot hand, you need to get these guys more in. But hindsight's a wonderful thing, obviously. And Trevor Immelman, I mean, he did a great job as the captain, but you just don't know who really has the hot hand at the time. Two votes. I'm actually going to go with Tom Kim. I know he was a lot of the talk of the town, but for him, he had two wins, three losses, unfortunately. I think he ran out of gas a bit in that singles match, but the energy and the passion he brought to it and really just, he lit this event up. He really did on that Saturday and and got the world talking about, about the tournament again. And then three votes to another captain's pick, the man who defeated Justin Thomas, Siwoo Kim, three wins and one loss. And the quality of golf he played over the four days was outstanding. Um, and then what did you make of the coverage? Because it was copying an out-and-out pasting uh, on social media. Now, most of the time I don't really care what Twitter says um, because there's, it, it, Twitter tends to be a toilet um, for 99% of what's on there. But there was this wasn't just abuse coming through. There was people who were just querying why it seems like there's more comprehensive and more shots covered when there's 100-odd players in a field than there is when we've got this format. What did you make of the coverage? It was a bit bizarre, yeah. I mean, I don't understand why they don't have some sort of an updated scoreboard going on the side of the of the screen. We've actually seen mm. that with Live Golf and they've done that really well where they have the scoreboard there. Yep. All they ever show is the is in the President's Cup is the outright score. You know, the US is leading 5-2. to two. I don't really care about that. We already know they're up 5-2 or 8-2 or whatever mm. it is. I want to know, okay, this individual match, where are the individual matches? Yeah. What's the scores as part of it? And yep. then... Why don't they show the real crucial shots? A lot of the players, you forgot they were even playing. I mean, Morikawa, he's one of the best players in the world. I forgot he was playing the event because I never saw him for like two hours. It was bizarre. I mean, it it sounds crazy, but if if anyone's ever seen NFL Red Zone, where essentially there's multiple games going on at once and they're coming, they're they're just jumping back and forth between the highlights of this score, that score, there's a score. The things you could do with this in terms of maybe even how you present it in terms of is it a split screen? Have you got, you know, four tiles mm. and then one becomes bigger to say, we're going to this hole and you can maybe watch all the holes going. And you could have the world is your oyster. You're only limited by your own creativity with this stuff. Absolutely. And there's no shortage of money to get it done. I mean, Absolutely. The, the, the President's Cup along with the Players' Championship is the PGA Tour's two biggest events. The President's Cup may even be, be bigger than the, than the Players' Championship. And the technology and the coverage they bring to the Players' Championship is the best they do all year. Why they didn't bring this to the President's Cup, I have absolutely no idea. So that's one thing they definitely need to improve on and get right. But it's easy to criticise, obviously. Yeah, uh, but but we don't. But that's we don't want to do that on on off the tee. <laughs> we we like to come up with ideas. ideas. So we 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 oh, we we understand and we recognise and we become aware of um, angst out there in the golfing world, and then we look look to see where we might be able to help. I love it. Yep. And then just sit back and go. I wonder how far reaching our advice is getting. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, oh, no. I think we know. <laughs> yeah. I think we know. Um, 
Nick Ahern, Sam Hargraves with you on Off The Tee. There's plenty of other things happening in the world of golf that we need to cover off on. But if you had a thought on the President's Cup, did you get involved in the coverage? Were you? Did you become, I suppose, did you become gripped by the comeback of the international team against the US and a couple of Aussies in there uh, as well? 0433981116. You can text in Off The Tee. If you've got a meaningful contribution to make, you can call 1300 736 736. This is Off The Tee on SEN. You're listening to Off The Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off The Tee podcast. Nick O'Hearn, last week, Phil Mickelson, we discussed that he had um, suggested that maybe it's time for Liv and the PGA to meet, smoke the peace pipe, um, put their animosity to one side and see if there's a way that they can both find a way to coexist, even though at the moment there's um, the, the lawsuits that are currently underway, the antitrust lawsuits. There's still decisions to be made on world rankings. There's still decisions to be made whether um, Liv get world ranking accreditation and whether or not the Masters continue to allow the Liv players to play. So still a lot to play out. We thought, we thought, oh, that could be... Well, that could be in everyone's best interests. Mm. Um, no, that's not happening. US PGA Tour Commissioner uh, Jane Monaghan uh, said that that idea is off the table. He said, I don't see it happening. When you look at where we are and you think about words and actions, we're currently in a lawsuit. So coming together and having conversations to me, that card is off the table and has been for a long period of time. We're going to focus on things that we control. We have more assets at our disposal, stronger partnerships, and we have the best players in the world going to commit to play more. What did you think? Well, it's it was to be expected. I think I said last week that uh, the PGA Tour, there, there's no incentive for them to coexist or, or join with Live Golf because, as he just said, they have all the best players in the world or the majority of them. They've upped their purses. They now have uh, an, a, a shortened uh, season coming along. Now, everyone's going to say, well, this happened because of Live." Well, you're absolutely right. And, yeah. and I've always said I think Live Golf is great for the game. It's very disruptive. It's causing all these different things going on. Is it good to actually watch and, and, and view and things like that? It's not my cup of tea, but, you know, it's creating some interest in Will the game. Will that change if great. they get a broadcast deal? And yeah, well, I think they need to change their format, you know, the way they go about things to get world ranking points. We've spoken about all that before. But uh, the PGA Tour, no, they're just going to do what they're doing and um, Level Golf will have to continue to sort of keep going on their side of the things. Interesting it was brought up at the President's Cup. So uh, Kevin Kisner said, who knows what the future would have held if we had a meeting with them, but I don't think we're ever going to do business with them. Um, he said that they always wanted to come in and, and what we call sports wash, in our opinion, and that's not the way we want to do business in the PGA Tour. I don't think Kevin would be aware of the fact that I think one of the major sponsors of the PGA has just signed up a... Uh, multi, 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 multi million dollar business deal with the Saudi government, uh, one of the major sponsors. That story was getting around a couple of weeks ago. So I just don't know if he's aware that there is business being done oh, by those okay. involved with the PGA with uh, the Saudi government or the Saudi, um, whatever we want to call them, <laughs> Saudi royal family. Royal family. Um, yeah. uh, Patrick Cantlay, though, uh, last year's PGA playoff winner said he expects there would be eventual peace between PGA and Liv. He said it's been so contentious and it seems like it just continues to be contentious. I would be surprised if there's not some coming together uh, intervention because I just don't know of any sport really that has a legitimate fractured sport. When I look at all other sports, all the best players play together. 
Yeah, interesting comments from Patrick there for sure. And I, th- I think one of the biggest uh, stumbling blocks at the moment is is Greg Norman uh, and his his stubbornness to not want to, mm. um, I guess, cooperate with the PGA Tour. Now, he has said it and come out that, yes, he does want to, but early on he didn't have those views. Uh, interestingly enough, he took a trip to Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. to try and get them to overturn this ruling on the world rankings. That did not go down well for him uh, when he was there. I was just looking at one of the one of the Republicans there, Tim Burchett, said uh, he walked out of the meeting due to an inability to understand Norman due to his accent uh, as the propaganda he felt Norman was sharing as well. Well, that bloke's... A f- that, that, I'll just call that out. That's floggery of the highest order, given that Greg has more of an American accent now than he does an Australian yeah, accent. So that's just someone uh, trying to grandstand <laughs> and big note. And um, if that's what they took away from it, then they probably shouldn't have been in that room in the first place. Yeah, no, exactly. So we'll, we'll stick up for Greg there, because no. that's just ridiculous. Yeah, no, it is. But uh, Norman went there in an effort to take it to a higher higher court, I guess you could say, to mm. try and get these world ranking points and everything these bands lifted. Got and no love. He fell on a lot of deaf ears, unfortunately, and, and he said, look, go through the process, which is what they're going to try and do. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And, um, uh, you know, there, there, there's been a few developments on the Live Tour of late. I mean, obviously, they're trying to play all these other tournaments that are going on. This particular week coming up, we've got the Alfred Dunhill. Mm. We had the French Open last week where uh, Patrick Reed played. He missed the cut fell outside the top 50 for the first time. So they're all wanting to play these more events to, to try and get their world rankings up. And yet early on they said, well, I want to play less. I want to spend more time with my family. Mm. And, yeah, it's a bit of a, a, a hypocritical thing to say, I suppose. But we'll see what happens. The next live event is in Bangkok from October 7 to 9. And at, up until then we'll, we'll keep following all the other golf. Uh, and then just in an update, in regards to where the live event that we believe is coming to Australia is going to be held. So they, they had no luck at Royal Sydney live, and it's being reported that the executives, this is on the Fox Sports uh, website, and the Age are reporting this as well, that they toured the Dunes, uh, and they've contacted Kingston Heath and Peninsula Kingswood about hosting the event. However, the Victorian government is said to be uninterested in working with live. Premier Dan Andrews favouring the US PGA tour. And in the Australian PGA, um, Andrew's apparently a big golf fan, has a relationship with Jay Monaghan uh, after they did the deal to host the 2019 President's Cup at Royal Melbourne. Uh, Victorian government spokesperson said no talks and negotiations have taken place between the government and Live Golf League representatives. There is a view that maybe it'll go to Adelaide, uh, the Grange Golf Club. Yeah, I've heard, uh, heard that recently. Wade Ormsby, who plays for the punch team, uh, is from Adelaide. I think he's mm. a Royal Adelaide member, but the Grange would be an interesting venue for it. Uh, I've also heard some Queensland venues like Sanctuary Cove, Coolum, um, that sort of side. Of- I think we all just accept, accept that given that Cam Smith is the marquee signing and he's a Queenslander, Queenslander yeah. that it'll be in Queensland, won't it? You would think. You know, I'd expect it to go there if it does. Now, the Victorian government, yeah, I mean, he, as you said, Dan Andrews, close close uh, relationship with Jay Monaghan. PGA Tour are basically saying, look, uh, Victoria, if you want to have the pres- next President's Cup, well, do not have a live golf event. Pretty simple. Yeah, so we're being held to ransom by on that an organisation that's given us how many tournaments yeah, over how many years? Yeah, but I mean the president... Every time I do play devil's advocate on do, this and yeah. I, I sound like I'm <laughs> such, such, pro, such a pro-live person <laughs> <laughs> and I'm well and truly getting splinters on the fence with it. Um uh, some results. Where do you want to go to first? Well, let's go with the DP World Tour. I think, you know, one of the highlights of the week was um, Guido Mig... Uh, how do you say this? Guido Migliozzi's second shot into the 18th. Now, 
Sam, I, I want you to play this because this was an amazing golf shot. 35 feet left is too close. <laughs> He's cut it. He's actually moved it left to right. Wow, that is unbelievable. Getting better and better. That's potentially the first birdie of the day. He holds that. He's going to be a winner. That is an unreal second shot. What self-belief. Uh, it certainly was. He was 13 shots off the lead after two rounds. He was still five behind Nick going into the final day. Nine birdies in a 62. Yeah, of course, record equaling. Uh, Rasmus Hogard had led from round one. He's an absolute super stud, this young guy. He's one of the twin brothers, the Hogard twins, who will be playing Ryder Cup next year. Uh, he'd lit the course up for a few days, but stalled a little bit on the Sunday. And Guido shoots uh, that course record 62. And that golf course, that 18th hole, I've played before in the French Open there. That's where they had the Ryder Cup. At Le Golf National. Le Golf National. That's very correct. <laughs> and when I played it, it was interestingly a par five um, when I played it, but they've called it a par four now. Now, that really doesn't matter too much, but your second shot is over water to an island green, and he hit about a four iron in there to a back rhyme pin, cut it off the middle of the, off the green, and it was just, it's just an absolute shot that he will remember for the rest of his, his career, and it's a great win for him, and that sort of gets him up, and hey, he's Italian, and we've got the Ryder Cup next year at Marco Simone in Italy, so that'll sort of fire the, the Italians up, see if he can get on that team. Uh, and Aussies abroad before we come back, because we've got to get some of Nick's knowledge, tap into your tip of the week from your book, How to Play Your Best Golf, and then find out what golf course you're taking us to, all thanks to our uh, friends at Big Swing Golf. Um, yeah, well, at the French Open, our best Aussie there was Scott Hend in a tie for 60th. Uh, but the big news for as far as the Aussie goes was this week, 27-year-old uh, New South Welshman Travis Smythe had his maiden win on the Asian Tour in the Yangda Tournament Players Championship in Taipei. He shot a final round six under 66 for a two-shot win over the defending champion, Li Chai Po from Chinese Taipei. Um, Travis has had a, had a nice, solid year. He's played actually a little bit on the Live Tour as well. He had a runner-up at the International Series in England in June. So that was a fantastic result as well. So he's really starting to kick up. Uh, this was the moment. water poured over him, unfortunately. <laughs> they just weren't able to access the champagne, but um, that's just a great reward for perseverance. It is, yeah, and it takes him to number six on the Asian Order of Merit too, so he's, he's moving in the, trending in the right direction, obviously. He's won about $400,000 on the tour this year, but also in that tournament, Daniel Fox, another Aussie, tied for 14th and tied for 18th was Kevin Yuan. Uh, heading back on the women's side was the LPGA Tour event um, in Arkansas. Thailand's Ataya Titikal, a 19-year-old rookie, first player to have a two, win, two wins in a rookie season. 
She won in a player from Danielle Kang, which is a, a, a great result for Danielle because she actually was diagnosed with some tumours on her spine a little while ago, so good to see her playing well. Out of the Aussies, and we didn't do too well there. Tied for 39th was Steph Kuriako and Karis Davidson. Minji Lee missed the cut again. That's two missed cuts in a row for her, which is mm, very, very, very unusual. Rare. You will never see that too often. Um, on the Epson Tour, which is the secondary tour over there, a really good result for Gabby Ruffles. Tied 8th, that moves her to 11th. On the race to the card, top 10 gets you the card there. Uh, and Grace Kim, tied for 20th, so she's still um, pretty much... Uh, in, she's locked. Yeah, yeah. she's locked she's in. She's number four on the list, and Brilliant. she'll have a card for next season. Uh, when we come back, uh, Nick's going to take us to a golf course he's played at around the world that you can play at the best simulator in the golf simulator business at Big Swing Golf, and then we'll tap in to Nick's knowledge with his tip of the week on Off the Tee. You're listening to Off The Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off The Tee podcast. Uh, If you haven't done yourself a favour and got around to a Big Swing Golf near you, uh, bigswinggolf.com.au, indoor golf, real fun, fast, massive screen, selection of exciting virtual games, over 84 of the best courses around the world that you can play on the best golfing simulator that there is Big Swing Golf delivers one-of-a-kind simulation, fun for golfers and non-golfers alike. It's a good fun time too. You can have a bite to eat and uh, something to drink, casual play, there's functions, uh, you can have family fun, there's a league, you can get coaching, you name it, you can do it at Big Swing Golf. But one of those 84 courses each week, Nick Ahern talks about playing there for real. Just to give you a little, um, a bit of advice on if you're going to play that at Big Swing Golf, what you need to be looking out for. Nick, where are you taking us? Well, given this week on the DP World Tour, they're playing the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship, and one of the courses is my favourite golf course in the world, the old course at St Andrews, where we had the Open Championship earlier this year. Didn't get a chance to talk about it then, but I will now, because this golf course is unbelievable. And, you know, it's got the history there, the town and everything, but obviously on Big Swing Golf, you're just there to play the course. And... The fortunate thing is your first tee shot, it is the widest tee shot you will ever encounter. <laughs> it's two fairways, isn't it? It's two fairways <laughs> together. Unless you're Ian Baker Fintry managed to hit it out of bounds, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, Ian. <laughs> but, you know, it was a bit of an unfortunate instant. But, yeah, the, the whole course goes out and then comes back in. You're going to have to hit a lot of little low shots because it might be windy or it won't be well, windy Well, Tiger the made the two-iron stinger famous, didn't oh, he? Oh, he did, yeah. It's uh, a lot of pot bunkers. You've got to avoid those bunkers off the tee. So driving is very, very important. What I always say at St. Andrews is aim left the whole day. Aim left and then try and work it back from there because the middle of the golf course is not too much trouble except the pot bunkers, which you've got to avoid going to have a lot of long putts because the greens are very big. But when you turn that corner at the that um, where you see the, the, the old course hotel on the 17th hole, the road mm-hmm. hole, and then the final hole coming up 18, it'll just make you tingle whether you're there or you're doing it on big swing golf. It's an amazing, amazing golf course. Those are your two favourite holes? Oh, What's I, the hardest hole on there? The them? hardest? Well, it's got to be 17. Yeah. Uh, you, you call that almost a par four and a half because yeah. really – Really, you're trying to knock it to the front right. You don't want to go on the road. That's that's dead. You're just not going to make par from there. You're probably going to make double. And you don't want to go in that pop bunker. Remember, we saw Cam Smith was just short of it, and he putted around he it. Putted it. Oh, that was just to avoid it at all costs. Flirted with the edge. <laughs> yeah, cliffhanger. Yeah. I've been in that bunker, and it's not great. I did get out in one go, but uh, several people take many, many more goes. That's for sure. But um, a beautiful golf course. And on the last, you can let it rip up that 
that last hole towards the clubhouse. Uh, big Swing Golf, indoor golf, real fun, fast. Get on their website, find the location that's closest to you and get along. Uh, you'll be glad that you did. Uh, Nick Ahern's How to Play Your Best Golf. Each week we get to tap into Nick's knowledge for free. Uh, hopefully you do go get the whole book, though. So you've spoken to St Andrews. A lot of mm, long putts. Yes. We saw the, the highlights of that President's Cup with the long putts. We talked about Munoz before and, and Scheffler as well when they traded those. Uh Long putts, you've got a drill for this. I do, yeah. So in the book, there is a uh, there is a drill called Leapfrog. Now, it basically involves what I used to do is have five balls and I'm trying to get the one ball past the previous ball, but within a certain range. So what it does is it really Im- improves your speed. And you want to do this from long distance. You start at about 10 paces away or, or five or six or seven paces away, however far you want to do it. But the more you do this drill, the more you step back and get further and further away, your speed will really improve because long putting is all about speed. All three putts, I think I might have mentioned this before, 95 to 99% of three putts become because you're either too long or you're too short. It's very rare you're too wide. So long putting is all about speed. If you have good speed, you're going to be in that two, three-foot circle around the hole and then you'll obviously make the next one. Now, if you have good speed on these longer putts, you may even make one as well, maybe one out of 10 or one out of 20 from 30 feet, something like that. But it's all to do with the speed. If you get the book, look up this drill. It's called Leapfrog, where you're going to hit five balls in succession. One ball goes a little bit further than the other within a certain range, and it is great for your speed. Uh, That's it from us. Have a great week. Uh, We'll speak to you all again next week on Off The Tee. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91